Bless you guys. Welcome to Sunday morning. I'm glad to have you here. I'm so thankful for you guys. Uh, my name is Stephen Blacksmith, and welcome to you guys on the stream. You're wonderful as well. I love that song. Um, it's a great reminder to me that truth is truth, no matter what. It's not circum. It's not subject to circumstance, right? Truth doesn't stop being truth because it's hard to believe. And it doesn't stop being truth because it's easy to believe. It's truth. And it's not truth because I'm telling you it's true. The things that we look at today are not truth because I stand here with a title. It's truth because God said it's true. And what's true in the light is true in the dark. Hmm. So here's the truth. Many of us know, but let's, let's, let's assume that we don't all know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do we know this? If you don't, that's okay. 1 Timothy 1.7 says it. That God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This means that fear and anxiety are not controlling factors in your life. You are not subject to fear. Because the spirit within you is greater than that. The spirit within you is of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And that's God's truth. Today we're going to be looking at, not that, but I mean, it's good to know anyway, right? Um, today we're going to be looking at new, and we're new. We're new t- today. Today we're new. Okay? Now the next slide... I'll explain, because I, when I showed my, the title of my teaching, it is parenthetical. Some, there's a, there's a, some excitement in it. It's new. 2020, baby! Now, that's not to say that Laura's pregnant, and in 2020, we're going to have another baby. But that's not. This is excitement. This is, this is, right? This is exuberance for new, right? We're the model year 2020. We're out before it's out, guys. We're new, all right? We're new. We are... 2020, baby, come on, right? We're going to start in Romans today, chapter 5, and verse 10. And I have verses up on the wall, but I'm still going to read out of my Bible. And if you have a Bible, digital or otherwise, um, get it, pick it up, read it. Um, get used to it. Get, get used to what the words look like on the page in your Bible, uh, on your screen, right? This is the Word of God talking to you. Okay, make it personal. Own it. For uh, Romans chapter 5, we'll, we're going to go to verse 10. It says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. All right, so we're going to reread this, and I'm going to make some points here. The first part of the verse, we, are, we were enemies with God. So, when all of this took place, it's not because our actions and our deeds were good enough to put us in a position of reconciliation. God did it anyway, right? So I need uh, an assistant. We're going to explain. Who wants to be a helper? Tim. Tim Alaska. Come on up here, brother. All right. This is, so reconcile means to ex- exchange, right, between two things. 
with an equal value item, okay? So Tim, here is 25 cents. There's two dimes and a nickel, right? And here is a quarter, okay? Now I'm exchanging equal value of what I have for what he has, okay? So let's exchange that. Now, I have reconciled these coins to me. I took an item of equal value and I exchanged it for this, okay? That's what reconcile means. So when we were enemies, when we didn't deserve it, God did it anyway because he's awesome and he loves us. And thank you very much, Tim, for your help. You can, that's a tip. <laughs> See, you get paid when you help me, guys. Next time, I'll use $100 bills. <laughs> guys on the stream, come on. Get here. It's worth it. I promise. All right. So when we were enemies, not when we deserved it, that's when God reconciled us. That's when God exchanged for us. Okay, how did he do this? The second part of the verse says, the death of his son. That's how he accomplished this reconciliation. The exchange was facilitated by Jesus Christ, and now as a result, we are owned by God. Okay, what this verse is stating is that God exchanged his son for what he determined to be an equal value in us. John chapter 3, verse 16. We all know this verse, but we're going to read it anyway because it's good. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, God so loved that he gave. Not we so deserved that he exchanged, but he so loved that he gave, and the exchange was an equal value to, to God. See, what God is saying here is that he valued relationship with you to the extent that he exchanged the relationship that he had with his son for you. In Galatians chapter 1, we'll start in verse 15. Paul writes here, when he, God, who had set me apart before I was born, he called me by his grace, he was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him, preach him Jesus Christ, among the Gentiles. And I did not immediately consult with anyone, right? God found it joy to teach Paul about Jesus Christ. And he could do this now. It was joy for God to reveal that. And then Paul, and then God's instruction to Paul was now go do the same. A couple books later in Colossians, Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh, that I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. See, that's what happened in, in um, Galatians, that God gave Paul a ministry and, steward, and stewardship, he gave, he gave stewardship of Jesus Christ and that knowledge to Paul to go talk about. Okay? So Paul here says, I am a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Right? He didn't just give it to Paul so Paul could sit in his room and feel really great. He didn't sit there so Paul could research for days and days and not talk about it. He gave it to him so he could go out and so he could share it with other people. So that other people would come to understand what God was teaching him about Jesus Christ. 
the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. And then what's the instruction? To make the word of God not just known, but fully known. See, the exchange happened, right? Paul was, was, was reconciled to God. He became God's. The price is paid. The reconciliation happened. And more than that now, more than just your mind, now Christ is up. He was, he was resurrected. And now there's more available. Verse 26 says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now is revealed to his saints. What's this mystery? What's he talking about? What's the fullness that, that Paul was teaching and relating to these people? To them that God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery. Right? Paul's, Paul's ministry was to teach people about the mystery. Right? What is the mystery? The end of this verse. Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, uh, until this point, the hope and the glory that God, uh, of God's goodness was only available to one, one group of people, the, Isra- the children of Israel. If you weren't children of Israel, sorry, bro, can't cash in on this check, right? But after Jesus Christ died, that became available to everybody. So now the mystery that, that Paul is imparting, the full knowledge of God's word that Paul is imparting, is that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've talked about hope and glory here before, right? Hope is the expectation, the reasonable expectation of a good thing. Glory is the unfolded goodness of God. Right? So in Christ, in you, now there is this reasonable expectation of God's unfolded goodness in your life. Unfolded goodness is like when you unfold a blanket and it gets bigger. Length and width get bigger. When you unfold God's goodness, height and depth get bigger too. In every direction, the fullness of God is expanded in your life because of what's in Christ. No wonder Paul was jacked up when he was talking about this. No wonder it said that he rejoiced. No wonder God enjoyed in it. This is awesome. This exchange, this reconciliation positioned us as children of God to have Christ within, giving us the hope of glory in our lives. What else happened? Well, Colossians 1 says that he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us. That transfer is that exchange. Okay, He transferred us from darkness into the kingdom by, not of by his beloved son. All right, The action that took us out of darkness and put us in light, put us in kingdom, was Jesus Christ's death and subsequent resurrection. Verse 14 says, in whom? In Christ, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We're not just reconciled anymore, folks. Because of, his recon- because of his resurrection, we're now forgiven. You know what forgiven means? Forgiven's amazing. If you thought reconciliation was cool, re- uh, forgiveness is the removal, the separation of you from your sin. The thing that identifies you, removed from you, and you are now placed somewhere else. You are pulled apart from sin. When? Once? Every day. God's, God's mercies are new when? Every day, every morning, right? Sorry, I'm going to get ramped up here. It's going to happen. Psalm 103, David writes that 
God has removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. If you need a mental picture of what this looks like, you can start heading east today and forever just continue going east. You're never going to be going west. That, that's east, sorry. You, but you're never going to be able to do it. Now, that's different if you go north to south, right? At, at some point, when you go north far enough, you're going to head south, right? Because you're the earth is round and... When you get to the top and you start heading down, you're heading south. But never if you're going east. You're always just going east. You'll arrive at the western part of a hemisphere eventually, but you're still going what way? East. So east and west will never meet. So when David says that your sins have been separated from you and placed east to west, what does that mean? That never are you to be in conjunction with that sin again in your life. Never. I'm, I don't have a good transition for this one. Love, right? I mean, how? Love. <laughs> we don't need to talk about I mean, what, what's to transition. <laughs> God's nature is love. Um, we can agree on that, right? We don't have to because it says it in First John, but it says God is love. Um, and the nature, when you look at nature, is just the boiled down. It's the, it's, it's the, the, the um, least common denominator of a thing. The nature of God is love. The nature of water is wet, right? I mean, so that's it's what it is, right? So when we think about this, about the separation from sin, and we think about God's nature being love, okay? Well, you know what? Let's just look at it. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Um, so 1 Corinthians is, is where we learn about love. Um, we hear it at weddings, and we hear it, you know, in, in memorial services because love is awesome and love is great and love is the nature of God. And so if you want to get to know your God better, this is a great exercise for this afternoon. When you go home, read 1 Corinthians 13, read verses 4 through 8 and, and change the word love to the word God and the subjective it to him and learn about the nature of your dad. It's mind-blowing. We're not going to do that today. That's your homework for today. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 5. We're going to focus in on... Oops, that's not the right one. That's Colossians. Okay, sorry. 1 Corinthians 5. Got it. Okay, we're going to focus in just on the last end of this verse, okay? In the NIV, it says, It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Okay, in the easy-to-read version, it says love is not rude, it's not selfish, it can't be made e angry easily. Love does not keep a list of wrongs done against it. So forgiveness, let's keep this in mind while we consider forgiveness now. Forgiveness is the separation of you and your actions. Okay, In one shot, God reconciled you to him and then took everything about you that was bad and got rid of it. And love never keeps record of those sins. See, right? It's not like sin was pulled apart and then stuffed over here, and then God just doesn't acknowledge it. He's, he's left it. He's forgotten it. He, it. It doesn't even occur to him anymore. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has what? Passed away. The, behold, the new has come. 
See, when the old is passed away and that separation happens, all that junk that Jesus Christ paid for gets kicked off to the left and you get kicked off to the right. And the new is what's left. Okay. So sin in our past is gone. It's been re- our lives have been replaced as new. And God has forgotten that sin. Okay. Now I talked about. I mentioned uh, the refusal to acknowledge. I want to. I want to just take a second here and point out the difference between forgetting and the refusal to acknowledge. Okay. A refusal to acknowledge is knowing that there's junk sitting over here, but I'm just not going to pay attention to it. There's mental effort expended to not consider it. Okay. So whether it's minute by the minute, whether it's hourly or daily or weekly, we know this thing is in the corner. We're just not going to pay attention to it, and and that is. That is not acknowledging something, okay? Forgetting something, however, is very different. And I'll show you. When was the Magna Carta signed? Nobody knows. No, Google knows because I Googled it yesterday. But here, I want to show you something. We all had to know that bit of information in junior high social studies, right? It was on a quiz or it was on a test, and we had to write it down correctly. And then the day after that test came back, and we said, oh, that's good, right? Got it right. That bit of information gone and never can be recalled again. It's 1519, by the way. Um, I texted, I texted st- some of the most intelligent people that I knew yesterday and just asked, without reference, can you tell me when the Magna Carta was signed? Nobody got it right. So that's how I know this is an apt uh, example for you guys. <laughs> that's what God has done with your sin. <laughs> Come on! Stand up and cheer for that or something, for the love of God. You are removed from everything that made you bad. You are placed new, and he's never going to look back. (laughs) Yeah, yay. Come on. God, you're good. (laughs) Okay. We are in God's eyes that way, right? When God looks at us and we stand before him in love, we are not love with baggage. <laughs> we're clean. We're new. We are, we're new in box, guys. We're not just new. We're still, we still got wrapping on us. We're so new. We're 2020. <laughs> Brand new. We're going to camp in 2 Corinthians 5 for a little bit because... Uh, and, and just start looking at new. So, um, okay. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Behold, all things have become new. Um, so we're gonna. I'm gonna use an analogy of a car. When you buy a new car, do the old do the things of your old car transfer to the new car? What I mean by that is, if you have a, a second gear that slips all the time in an old car. Does that, do you expect that in your new car? Uh-uh. If you have AC that only works on cold days in an old car, do you have AC that only works on cold days in a new car? No. Why? Because it's new. It's fundamentally better in every way. That's why we buy new things. Because we realize we don't have to live like this anymore. And we're just going to go buy a new one. And there is a difference between new and refurbished. So we're going to touch on that for just a minute here. This is a 1942 Chevy Silverado. It's a half-ton pickup truck. That's beautiful. 
I mean, objectively, that just looks amazing, right? The, whoever restored this thing put time and effort into it and brought it back to its current glory or former glory? Former glory. See, that's the thing about restoration. It can only be as good as it was when it was new. You can spit shine it, and it looks great. Here's a picture of it when it was first bought. I don't know that guy. I just found these pictures online. <laughs> now, this is a 2020 Chevy Silverado half-ton pickup truck. Now, that thing is fast. Look, that thing is fast standing still. It's better in every way, guys. The ride is substantially different. The power to torque ratio is enormous, right? You could probably put, you could put the old one in the bed of that truck and truck up a mountain faster than the top speed of the old one unloaded, right? Why? Because it's new, because it's better in every way. They didn't spit shine an old one and turn it into that. They built a new one. Look at that. Look at that center console. Come on. It's like a iPad sitting in the middle of that thing. It looks like, it, it looks like you're riding in a lazy boy. All right. Just because I'm a car nut a little bit now. This is a 1975, 74 um, Lamborghini Miura. And it was perfectly restored back to, this is one of the first that came off the line, this particular one. And it was restored after being in an accident and all that kind of stuff. So this is restored. Beautiful, right? I mean, objectively, that's a wonderful looking car. Uh, you would note that there are manual gauges on the dashboard there and that there's no radio. You have six gauges in the center console that do something, but they don't play music, that's for sure. <laughs> really nice car. Really nice re refurbished car, right? Great restoration. Hard work, no doubt, went into that, but it's not new. This is new. This is a 2020 Lamborghini Aventador. That looks awesome. Right? That looks amazing in every possible way. Why? Because they realize we got some limitations with this old one, and we're probably not going to be able to do what we want to do with it. So I got an idea. Let's make a new one and make it better. So they did, and it's awesome. There's a bunch of pictures of this because I'm a nerd. <laughs> and also, I figured out how to load pictures into Proclaim. So, <laughs> hooray! Um, now, look at this. Look at the center console on this thing. Not only, I mean, it's hard to see, but not only is the entire center console in front of you all digital, right? You've got this giant console right to your right, if you're the driver, with every button and measurement and reading, and I'm sure it plays videos, too. It's awesome, right? Look at that. Beautiful, right? Yeah, because it's new. It's supposed to be. Nobody's expecting old. They're expecting new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are what? New. new. See, you got rebuilt. Nobody took you out of a junkyard and polished you up and made you your former glory. God took you and broke you down and separated you from all the junk that was in your life and all the garbage that made you who you were and built you up new in Christ. Not everybody can identify with buying new cars, so I have other examples. Glasses. Anybody wear glasses or contacts? If you're like me, you try to schedule your dentist appointments and your uh, eye doctor appointments on the same day every 10 years. So you walk in with old glasses and to pick up your new prescription, and you take your old glasses off, which I don't know why, but I polish so well, because I think they are going to notice. <laughs> anyway, so you take your old glasses off, right? And you put your new glasses on, and it's like, 
Oh, man, I can see. What have I been waiting for? New is so much better than old. Some of you didn't raise your hands with glasses. That's okay. Shoes do the same thing, right? Like, your shoes are fine. They work. They're comfortable. They keep your feet dry when they're supposed to. Keep, you know, thorns from coming to the bottom of your foot. But there's something about new shoes, right? Like, if you roll into our guys over at Primo and you sit down and they fancy you up with, like, these new kicks, right? There is something about taking that old shoe off and putting a new one on and then standing up and walking around. It's like, oh, bro, they're supportive in all the right places and they're soft and they look so good. Because they're new. They didn't take your old shoe off and polish it up and put it back on and say, do you feel the difference? No, because you don't, because it's old. (laughs) They put a new shoe on, and you feel just so good about everything. Your life is new. It's different in every conceivable way, people. It's better than it was before. It's not subject to the things that it was before. God wants you to experience new in your life. He wants you to experience the hope of his glory unfolded in your life. His goodness completely unfolded in every way in your life. He wants you to feel what new is. When we taste and see that the Lord is good, it's not because he made us a little bit better. When we taste and see that he is good, it is because we realize that we're new and we're fundamentally better. We're new. Come on. We're new. Let's say it. Let's hear it. We're new. All right. Our lives are new and should reflect that. Our lives can't be dictated by the way we used to do it. We can't approach love the way we used to love before we were new. We can't approach forgiveness the way we used to forgive before we were new. We have to realize what we are and then act accordingly. You are altogether new. You are altogether better in every conceivable way. You are more comfortable to be around. You are the projection of beauty to the people around you. You are able to love at a greater capacity. And everything about you is better because you're new. You're 2020, baby. When Jesus Christ died and was resurrected, he didn't die to spit polish you, folks. Okay? He died, and in his image, you are new. In his image, you have his power. You have his love. You have his ability. You have his equipping. Because you are new, not in your own self. You are new in Christ. New. Yeah? Amen. 1 Corinthians 12. In fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Okay? What this means is that new you was chosen by God and placed by God as God saw fit. Not as you saw fit, as God saw you fit. Okay? If, if, in, if the things in our past are past, P-A-S-T and P-A-S-S-E-D, Right? then your past is no longer tied to who you are today. Your past is no longer your identity. Your identity today is new and in Christ. 
You cannot live your life looking back. You can't live your life looking backwards any better than you can drive home this afternoon focused on the rearview mirror. Jesus Christ paid a price to take the junk in your life and separate it as far as the east is from the west so that you can move forward looking forward, not so that you can move forward looking back. We're going to sing a song to close. Um, we're going to sing a song called Who I Am, and we're going to turn the lights down lower, and we're going to turn the music up louder, because when we stand and sing this today, we are not singing for the people around us. We are not singing as a congregation to God. We are singing as an individual soul to your Heavenly Father who has made you new in your Savior, Jesus Christ. We will project our thanks and our praise and our confession of who we are to our God <laughs> with full understanding today that we are new. Okay? So I'm going to pray.